Welcome to episode 33 of the Listening Brain Podcast. Welcome to the Listening Brain. I'm your host, Todd Houston. In this podcast, we explore childhood hearing loss through the lives of the parents and families who are on this journey and the professionals who serve them. Hi, are you creative? Do you want to give a webinar or teach a course? Maybe you're a writer. Do you want to create a blog? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. Whatever your passion is, we at 3C Digital Media Network want you to be a content creator so we can bring your ideas to life. So, to get started, visit our website at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and sign up to be a content creator. We look forward to seeing your passions come to life on our platform. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jody Cutler. From the moment she received her son's Jordan's deafness diagnosis, Jody dedicated herself to finding the most suitable tools for improving the quality of life for families living a journey in hearing loss, and rising to a level of professionalism as a consultant and advocate for inclusion rights through various international initiatives. Since Rally Caps, which some of you may have already heard about, among her many other professional accomplishments, Jody has published four books, both in English and Italian. So to talk more about her background and Rally Caps, the movie, as well as, as well as all the different activities happening at major league baseball parks around the country, and especially on the East Coast this year, it is my pleasure to welcome Jody Cutler. Well, Jody, welcome to the podcast. Can you explain more about your background? Hi, Todd. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Jody Cutler. I am mother of two grown children. <laughs> One is Jordan. He is 26. He was born with profound hearing loss, bilateral, neurosensory neural, and Sophia, who is hearing. I teach English. I help families in Italy because I live in Grosseto, which is a town in Tuscany between Florence mm. and Rome. Now, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little story. <laughs> okay. Tell, Once tell upon me. a time, there was a 24-year-old mm -hmm. girl, and mm -hmm. um, she was in love with an Italian man. And mm. they got pregnant, got married, and had a baby boy named Jordan. And he was born in Baltimore, Maryland in 1996. He was born in a hospital that did not have newborn hearing screening. While mm. just around the corner at another hospital, another girl was born the same exact day. They had newborn hearing screening, and she was able to go through early hearing detection intervention just as babies do nowadays. My son was not that fortunate. So when we went to our pediatrician for our seventh or eighth month old checkup, we were a little concerned because he wasn't babbling. He was extremely precocious and 
alert, but he was not making any sound. And our pediatrician looked at us and said, don't worry, you, your son has bilingual parents. So he's going to have some delays in language. So I went back home and what little there was online at that time, I researched and found that to be true. So I was calm and I was okay. And I was like, okay, it'll just take a little more time. So we go back at our nine month checkup and he's still not speaking and he's still not Mm -hmm. babbling, nothing. And I'm like, we're worried because, you know, my son isn't making any sound. Mm -hmm. Uh, And our pediatrician said, Jody, don't be neurotic. You're being ridiculous. He's fine. (laughs) So, I mean, I was 24 years old. I had never even held a baby before. And I am neurotic by nature. So it was totally possible. Anyway, we decided to move to Italy where my husband had a, um, a government job, a house. And I was like, okay, I'm out of Baltimore. I'm going to go to Tuscany, drink some Chianti, eat some Pecorino (laughs) cheese and live the good life. I can always teach English and I can raise my son. So one month after we get there, we have our, our checkup at our pediatrician in Grisato, Italy. And the pediatrician looks at my son and he says, he, he does a ball test, which is like he rings some little bells and my son didn't turn. He's like, you know, there could be some kind of situation here. I think it would be better if he had an audiological visit. So we went to Florence and we uh, did the ABR and we're sitting in front of the audiologist. And she um, my mother-in-law was on my left. My husband was on my right. I didn't speak a word of Italian. The audiologist looks directly at my mother-in-law and starts speaking in Italian. And my mother-in-law's mm. face like crumples cringes she looks devastated so I can only imagine what she's saying I turn to my husband I'm like you need to talk to the audiologist you need to tell her that she needs to talk to me and you need to translate for me Mm -hmm. so that happened he was diagnosed as I said with profound deafness uh sensory neural bilateral and right away in Italy they put hearing aids on him so uh we started our journey in hearing loss with hearing aids He was a very good hearing aid user, despite the fact that he had profound hearing loss. And at that time in 1997, uh, cochlear implants were relatively new. And, you know, they didn't implant you unless you had no results. And he was borderline. So he wore hearing aids for eight years. Uh, During that time, he was very frustrated. He had speech therapy three times a week. My speech therapist was my oxygen because I didn't speak the language. At that point in time, when... uh, you were bilingual family, they did not tell you to speak your native language. They wanted me to speak Italian. So that was extremely frustrating. Mm -hmm. At that time, because they told me to speak Italian, I could not learn sign language because learning Italian was already like an insane amount of work. Add to that the the sign language, which is specific to the country, I could not have used it in the United States. And there were no deaf people around where we lived. So uh, we chose a listening and spoken language approach, not because I you know, I didn't want to learn sign language, but because it was just not an option for me. Uh, He progressed and things, you know, he was doing okay. And until he got to that, that age, that eight year old age where their peers start like moving forward with such a speed in terms of Mm -hmm. language and communication. And I saw my son falling behind. So that's when I started getting more information about cochlear implants. And my audiologist in Florence was totally against cochlear implants. She said, oh, you're really? going to, you're going to do something bad for your son. And, um, I don't believe in them. And so 
everything I read told me the contrary that, you know, for Mm -hmm. the type of hearing loss he had, the best option were cochlear implants. If I were going to raise a child with listening and spoken language, I had to give him access to sound. So we went to a couple of places in Italy. I went to Pisa and Pisa answered my hundred thousand questions, treated me like a normal person. And, and I felt like I was in competent hands. So my son was, had his first cochlear implant when he was eight years old. And uh, he just flew. He had mm-hmm. always had, as I said, speech therapy three times a week. So he he was just an excellent hearing aid user. And that transferred. He had good residual hearing. Our surgeon managed to keep all of his residual hearing after the cochlear implant surgery. So he just became an exceptional cochlear implant user, which freed me to do other things. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to continue? Sure. You're great. Okay. Okay, I will continue. So in the meantime that all this is happening, Mm -hmm. my father had sent me a story uh, where, you know, it was a little short story about him breaking his nose when he uh, had a baseball practice. And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. That story, you know, it could probably Mm -hmm. be a good book had I never said that. I'm literally struggling, (laughs) trying to teach my son to speak. My Mm -hmm. daughter had been born. I had a million things to do. And my father started saying, write the book. And I'm, I mean, literally for five years, my father, the only thing he said to me was write the book and writing the book <laughs> is like impossible when you are like down and devastated. Right. So what happened after my son had, you know, the cochlear implant surgery and was, I mean, I have a picture of him the first time he spoke on the telephone. He used to hate speaking on the telephone. I have a picture of him. He was at my mother-in-law's house and uh, luckily she snapped it when he picked up the phone and I was on the other line with my husband and we were talking to him and he has this smile on his face because he could hear what we were saying and understand it. And he wasn't in difficulty. I mean, like amazing. So he's along that road and I'm thinking, okay, I mean, nobody needs Jody anymore, just like relatively (laughs) speaking. So I look at my son and I think about all the medical professionals that have helped him up until this point. And I really wanted to find a way to thank them. And I really wanted to find a way to to create a strong deaf character with cochlear implants in literature because none existed. And that's what Mm -hmm. I did with my dad. We went back and forth. I created the character of Lucas. Lucas, Mm -hmm. the book is not about the character with hearing loss. The book is about the boy who uh, gets his nose broken and has anxiety to play baseball. The point is that the child with hearing loss and the disability based on his ability in overcoming the disability is the the shoulder for the child with anxiety to help him overcome his anxiety. That is the role I wanted to see my son in. Our kids after three, you know, three times of speech therapy every week, dealing with bullies, having to overcome listening fatigue, you know, they're like warriors. And we don't need to always look at the parts of difficulty. We need to look at the strengths. So that was the purpose of the character that was created. Now, as as like uh, uh, insistent as my father was in getting the book made, that's how much he believed it should become a movie. So. He literally for 15 years never stopped contacting directors, Disney, and anybody who had an email address he would write to. And he so, found yeah. so who, who so did your father know any of these people? No, he's just absolutely not. He had absolutely <laughs> zero connections. Like zero. So, but he found this director, Lee Chipola, who mm-hmm. worked for Disney, and he 
read the book. He liked the book, mm-hmm. but he was always mm-hmm. involved in other projects. So every couple of years, my dad would contact him again. And it just so happened that Lee had stopped working for Disney. He was in a parentheses. This is what I heard from Lee, because I didn't know this part of the story, that there was one day he was not sure what direction his life was going in. He decided to take a walk. He lives in Colorado. He's meandering among the mountains. He brings the copy of Rally Caps with him for some reason. He like grabbed it from the shelf. (laughs) So he finds a spot next to a rock. He sits down, reads it again and decides he wants to make the baseball movie he's always dreamed of. And from that moment on, that is how our series of miracles began. And so now the movie is becoming, you know, the book is becoming a movie. We finished uh, shooting in Camp Scatico in September. And right now it's in post-production. It's really, really good. I've seen mm-hmm. all of the different cuts. Like I've never, you know, now I'm a, I'm a movie producer, Todd, you know. That is awesome. Movie, that is awesome. Writer, movie producer. Like I'm still the same person struggling <laughs> through the day, but you know, I sound a lot cooler. Yeah, it does sound cool. You you wrote You wrote the book. Uh, with my dad with your dad and so did you write the 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 script uh, or the screenplay lee wrote no lee, lee wrote, wrote the screenplay yeah lee wrote the screenplay he he okay the movie's much better than the book i'm not going to lie it's like it's <laughs> it's so much deeper it's so much better it we took it to a modern level mm-hmm. my dog is about to go crazy i'm telling you my mom just arrived so i don't Uh-oh. know you going yourself. okay so um yes that was the situation. He wrote, Lee Chipola wrote the screenplay. And what happened was we were supposed to start filming in 2020. And, mm-hmm. and I had said to my dad, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, how is it even possible that a director would agree to do this, this, you know, movie right now? We, we're about to enter in COVID because living in Italy, we were the first to get it. And all I kept doing was reporting on what was happening Mm -hmm. in Italy to the people in the United States. And I'm like, dad, I don't think you realize what's coming, but it's coming. And so this Mm -hmm. is not the time to make a movie with kids. And in fact, it was postponed. So I was right to a certain degree. What Mm -hmm. I didn't take into consideration was the fact that during the time of COVID, my dad was able, I mean, Lee was able to make the script, the screenplay, like amazing. So he really used that time effectively. And now we have an even better screenplay. Right after that happened, our, one of our producers, Amy Williams, sent the screenplay to Judd Hirsch and Amy Smart. They both read wow. it and loved it. Judd was like, I've always dreamt of doing a baseball movie. So he was on board and Amy Smart was on board as well. And so, you know, the, the things just started going from in, unsure to amazing with a lot of suffering in between, <laughs> but yes, things are going well. It's like having another baby, right? It's just like, you know, it's getting this thing done. Just popping out baby after baby. Over <laughs> here. That's what's happening. So with, uh, with rally caps, the movie is that, is that's the formal title rally caps, rally caps, just like the book for now. Rally like caps. <clears throat> and so what happens after post-production, does it get sold to a studio or? What is the process? After post-production, we we show it to streamers and we we need to find a distributor. Once we find a distributor, I'll be able to say where we can see it, what's happening and what's going on. So we're in that limbo phase right now. Right, right. So we may see it soon or at some point uh, on one of the streaming services or, you know, at the theaters. Who knows? I'm going to put a little coming soon label on that right there. 
Let's coming keep soon. it general, but specific at the same time. Coming soon. That's great. Well, that is just phenomenal. And, uh, and to be able to go from concept and, and writing your book to everything else and now having a, a, a major motion picture produced and, and in post-production, that's, that's an amazing journey. It is, it's quite shocking. I'm not gonna lie. It's all it's all been quite shocking. Well, the, the closest thing that I've ever come to anything like this was um many years ago when I was at AG Bell uh as director. Uh I got a call from some producer, probably a assistant producer or someone, and they were looking for deaf kids for the sandlot. Remember oh, the, really? the movie The Sandlot? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of feel of sandlot in this movie. And so uh, I said, well, and they immediately said, we, we, we want kids who sign, <laughs> who only sign. And I said, well, <laughs> we have lots of kids we can put you in touch with, but none of them probably sign very well because uh, they use spoken language. And it was almost like, okay, done with you. <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation. Yes. So uh, they didn't want to sort of show the other side of the coin. Um, but it is great what you've been able to do. So that's just wonderful. Uh, it's just, it's it's like a platform, the movie, to be able to raise a, a lot of awareness throughout sure. the United States. And in fact, we've created this unbelievable project that sometimes like things just fly out of my mouth without my brain thinking before they happen. Uh, one of our producers, what happened was after we signed on Amy and Judd, we were originally a small independent film. So we basically finished our budget after our three day shoot in Los Angeles. And we had one day where we shot in field of dreams. So we had to like scramble to find investors. And one of the people that I contacted was Melissa, um, Chuck, Melissa, Oh my God, shake off. Melissa, shake off. I'm having a yes. brain freeze. And because of the work she's been doing with Usher 1F, and she's mm-hmm. just a reference point for so many people, uh, I contacted her and she put me in touch with Eileen Jones. Eileen Jones used to be the Gift of Hearing Foundation president. And uh, she had been in retirement. But when I started talking to her about the movie, she was all excited to get out of retirement. She has this <laughs> crazy, amazing brain that's been you know, latent for all these years. So, you know, give me some of that. And Mm -hmm. uh, we started working together and she told me about her experience with Jacob's ride, which 13 years ago, Jacob Landis got on his bicycle, bilateral cochlear implant recipient and rode his bicycle to all 30 ballparks. So I'm looking at Eileen and, you know, I'm making a baseball movie here and I'm like, you know, and, and the work I do in Italy, I, I, um, have a forum with 15,000 families that I offer support to with all of the other families, because obviously I'm only one person. I can't help the world. So the forum works where everybody pays it forward, shares their experience to help others. Uh, One of the things I do is because of what I went through with my pediatricians, we have a pediatric audiology network where we have educated pediatricians in Italy on a journey in hearing loss. And A big part of that was promoting newborn hearing screening. What happened last year was I started working with a group called Nono Ascoltami, who's part of the World Hearing Forum, on doing adult screenings. So when I saw Eileen and she told me about the stadiums, I was like, you know, your contacts with the stadiums could be really useful because we could create an unbelievable adult screening program through the stadiums. I mean, every stadium, they're like 50,000 people. If we provide some resources, get a hearing Mm -hmm. screening mobile unit there, we can raise so much awareness. (laughs) 
And so mm-hmm. I don't know that. So we did. And that's what we're doing. <laughs> so uh, talk but, about that. So, so uh, I know you have, uh, you, you are here in Ohio uh, for this upcoming weekend with the guardians and, uh, and tell, so how, how will this happen locally here in Ohio and in, in Cleveland? <laughs> Okay, so Eileen had these 30 stadiums. The problem mm-hmm. this year was the lockout because we couldn't do anything. We couldn't organize anything. And right. we had like on board, we had like 16 stadiums. Okay, so because of the lockout, we weren't able to find a sponsor. So we're lit- we literally are mm-hmm. grassroots right now. We're staying at people's houses. We're, Eileen's using her air miles to get us from one place to another. <laughs> I mean, we are literally on the road. Luckily, Eileen has a style of on the road that I really like. That's totally different from mine. But anyway, so we um, we started. The, these are the teams that we're doing. New York Mets, Baltimore Orioles, Cleveland Indians, St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee Brewers, Miami Marlins, and Tampa Bay Rays. We were unable to do the West Coast side, which was, you know, they were so nice. They're like, no problem. Postpone it till next year. We'll be in touch. Everyone's felt the lockout. Now, what had happened in the meantime is that American Cochlear Implant Alliance had contacted me to do a Tuesday talk because they've been really enthusiastic about, you know, the movie project from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And during my Tuesday talk, uh, one of the moderators, well, there were two moderators. One was Barbara Mellert, who was someone I met on Pediatric Cochlear Implant Circle. I've known her and her kids for like 15 years. The other moderator was Carrie Spangler. I had seen one of Carrie Spangler's uh presentations with Carol Flexer and Mm -hmm. they had been talking about transparent masks and I like fell in love with her. So when I actually met her and she was the moderator, Mm -hmm. we just started talking and it was such an amazing experience. So uh, I read about her background. I read about the project that she's involved in um, campus, which is Mm -hmm. a project Mm -hmm. for teenagers and their families to meet each other, have conversations and discuss life transitions. And we all know that teenagers are in the most difficult period of their lives. So the ability to get together and have these conversations for me was exceptional. Then sure. meeting Carrie, who above the project is just a beautiful person, was uh, was 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 everything for me. So Eileen and I feel a little bit like Santa Claus. I'm not going to lie here because <laughs> basically every stadium we're able to find a person who can do first pitch. And uh, in at the, uh, Camden Yards, we actually have a, a girl with cochlear implants singing the national anthem. Wow. We, uh, for every stadium, our ticket link connects to a project or uh, an association and $5 from every ticket sold from our link goes to that association. So all these like amazing things are happening. And Carrie was somebody who I was so excited to be able to mm-hmm. do everything with. So her project is the beneficiary of the tickets that we're selling the $5. And awesome. she is like someone who never stands still. She put us in touch with Julie Honecker of the Cleveland clinic. So right. they're supporting us as well in Cleveland. Uh, it's just, it's just been, Oh, and this is another thing. I, I post about all these things on my Facebook page um, profile all the time. So all the time. So uh, I've had, as I was talking about before, the pediatric cochlear implant circle was really had a really strong impact on me and helping me heal things I never knew. And I'd met a lot of families through that. One of the families is the Golowins. And Jenny left a message oh, yeah. like, hey, if you need somebody <laughs> to throw a first pitch, Drew would be the perfect person. So I'm like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, Drew. The last time I saw Drew, he was like 
like two inches sure. high. Mm-hmm. And, and he had just been, uh, he had just received his cochlear implants. I'm like, oh, wow, that would be really cool. So Drew's thrown first pitch at the Cleveland Guardians game. You know, ask and receive. That's where we are at, at this point in what we're doing, literally step by step. And that's what's been happening. Everyone has been collaborating, jumping in and sharing the word about what we're trying to do here. Spread awareness. Well, it's, it's just amazing uh, to, to see all the synergy that has that has happened uh, with, like you're saying, with the people locally. And and uh, I can certainly attest to how wonderful Carrie is. She's a dear friend. And, and we work together with kids. Uh, we share kids, so to speak. Uh, with her preschool that she runs and, and of course all that she's doing with campus. That's been an amazing program that she has been doing with Gail Whitelaw over at uh, OSU. And so that's, it's just an amazing opportunity for, for those teenagers. But, and now you have Drew throwing out the, the pitch You're You're really making the rounds of all the great Ohio people. I've been lucky. There, there are a lot of great Ohio people. So, I mean, yeah. I remember the first time I met you at a Congress in Italy, like 10 years ago, you were the first person to discuss or even intimate about intimate about uh, telehealth and teletherapy. And you were way beyond all of the, <laughs> the peers that right now, obviously, because of COVID are jumping on board and making sure that happens for families. But you are like the pioneer of, of that. So, you know, I've, I've followed your work for a long time. A lot of good things out of Ohio. Well, I, I appreciate that. Those are kind of words, but yeah, we have a lot of great, great professionals here, you know, with, with Don Goldberg and uh, Carol Flexer and uh, Denise Ray. And a lot of things happen, have, have always happened here in Ohio. Um, of course I'm at the university of Akron. That's where Carol and Denise were and, uh, until their retirement. And so there's a rich, very, very rich history of auditory verbal and and uh, listening and spoken language. And of course, the implant teams that we have here, you know, they're, Carol they're, Flexer is my hero. I Carol's Carol wonderful. Yeah, Carol is absolutely wonderful. And uh, she's still the out there. Brain. Yeah. And, and so I, I kind of this is sort of an homage to her, the, the name of the podcast. Um, and I'm glad she didn't use that title and start her own podcast. <laughs> That's I think I'm it's about. even better this way because you know you're paying tribute to another professional. It's exceptional, so I love that. That's right. And I'm, 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 I was sort of hating to get this call from Carol saying, "What are you doing with the listening brain?" That's that's terrible. Uh, but she never did. So she I, doesn't I, seem I, like I, the type of person to do that. I think she would just be happy and appreciative of anything. She's amazing. She is. She is. So so. Um, this is amazing. This is going to be your summer is traveling to baseball parks and, and stadiums and, and doing wonderful things and, and promoting hearing loss, cochlear implants and all of this. And, uh, and again, you said you'll come back again next year with some of the, with the major league teams, right? They, that's so they, our hope. I mean, if we're able to start something important, that's spreading awareness, like what I've seen is that uh, this project is offering the opportunity for a lot of the local realities to to talk about their programs and just the ability to talk about their programs what they do cochlear implants it's it's like a ripple effect that's happening so the mm-hmm. more that happens that's why i keep saying you know if you want to partner call me we'd love to have your information at our table so that more people can be aware of what's happening in terms of local realities and that's our hope so far we're creating relationships and we'll see where where they go well, I'm I'm hopeful that by next year you could 
promote the movie as being available on whatever service or however, uh, as well as touring the the West Coast and uh, with all those major league teams. That'd be incredible. Yeah, right now they're letting us show a teaser of the movie. So that, you know, that's already nice. But hopefully, yes, that will be the case next year. I'm sure that will be the case next year. So we'll see what happens. So I, I wanted to ask you just a, a bit about your work in Italy. And, uh, and, and if you could talk a little bit about that uh, in terms of your role there and how that has evolved over the years. Well, as you know, I started our journey basically alone. We, you know, the internet wasn't huge. There wasn't a lot of information in Italy. Basically, because I speak English, I had access to this link. I had access to this, um, to a lot of articles, a lot of research, information. And based on that, I just started creating a forum in Italy to be able to help the families like Pediatric Cochlear Implant Circle help me. And Mm -hmm. it started with 200 people about 10 years ago, and now we're 15,000. So I've had um, a lot of congresses. We've, because I've been present at a lot of uh, congresses and, and, and what do you call, I'm thinking in Italian, so it's not coming to me. (laughs) Anyway, a lot of events with, you know, surgeons and scientific community, I was able to bring everything that I learned at these, at at these events back to my forum so that families had uh, more information to make informed choice. Because when you don't have the information, that's what makes you feel impotent in making choices for your children. So what I was able to do was take this information, considering I was able to be at these events and then bring it back to the families. Also, as I said before, uh, mm-hmm. I started when I went the first time I spoke at Como uh, mm-hmm. at the NHS Congress, I met Carl White. Mm-hmm. And when I came back home, I started researching Carl White and I found uh, a study he did with Mary Pat Moeller on the knowledge of pediatricians in regard to mm-hmm. hearing loss. And I contacted them and asked them for permission to use their study to adapt it to the Italian situation. I did that with my pediatrician and we sent it to all of the pediatricians on a national level. We found that they did not have any knowledge in terms of hearing loss and screening, newborn hearing screening and everything. And uh, so what I did was match a, a cochlear implant center with every region of Tuscany so that we could do refresher courses for pediatricians. That way they had access to the cochlear implant centers and all the information that they needed. And pediatricians are like fascinated by the world of surgery and, and, (laughs) and and all of these things. So it it really ended up working well. Uh, At that same Congress in Como, Chernobyl, I met uh, different world leaders from different countries. And we created Mm -hmm the global coalition of parents of children who are deaf or hard of hearing. And so now we're a member of the world hearing forum and we've just been trying to help families all Mm -hmm. over the world since then. It's just been a ripple effect there too. Um, I am a consultant with cochlear Mayo, which means I help families throughout Europe, Middle East and Africa and Mm -hmm. uh, any kind of questions or resources they need. I am a parent who's able to talk parent to parent with them. And I teach English. And you and you teach English on the side. Correct. And all your free time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's been great connecting with you and uh, and and 
getting the update on everything that's happening. And I don't know when you sleep with all this going on. Uh, that's if- kind of funny because I haven't been sleeping a lot. When I'm in Italy, I have to wake up three times a night to check on the updates from the U.S. And when I'm in the U.S., I have to wake up three times a night to check on the updates in Italy. And if you ask me where I am at any given time, I don't know if the answer will be correct. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, you're you're a busy person. You're a busy person, and you're and you're what's it called? I guess not by you're bilingual, but by by country. Yeah, I'm in the land of between. Constantly. Between, I was going to say by coastal, but that's not right. Uh, you're you're two, two countries uh, in one, uh, yeah. trying to manage both. Well, it's been great chatting. And uh, how can people get in touch if they want to learn more about rally caps or see what's happening at maybe a local uh, baseball team, uh, professional they can baseball check, team. check yeah. out our website, rallycapsthemovie.com. Okay. Or it could be rallycapsthemovie.com. I don't even, <laughs> everything is a put it's either rallycapsthemovie.com or rallycapsthemovie.com. That's really responsible of me, but I like, it's one of the two. It's one of those. Okay. Or you Good. can look for my name and contact me and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Great. Well, best of luck with everything. And uh, thanks again for joining us on the on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you. Thank you again, Jody, for joining me on the podcast. And good luck with everything that you're doing. All of the rally cap stuff. I hope everything goes well at all the different ballparks on the East Coast this year. And hopefully we'll see you again next year for the West Coast ballparks. So it's just exciting to have so much attention placed on hearing loss and really getting out there and increasing awareness and advocacy. So I applaud everything that you're doing and congratulations on the Rally Cap movie. Ah, so many things going on. It's just very, very exciting. And thank you again for joining me on the podcast. And thank you, dear listeners, for listening. And please rate, review, share, recommend uh, this podcast to your friends, neighbors, countrymen, family, whoever you can recommend it to, because we really want to increase our listenership. And I need your help to do that. One way you can help is please leave us a five-star review. That always helps us to attract new listeners. So go out, do that, support Jody and what she's doing with rally caps at your or the nearest uh, major league ballpark that you can get to. Go visit what she's doing on the website, rallycapsthemovie.com or something like that, as she said, and uh, wish her just continued success. And so those kinds of things will be great to do this summer. Go out to uh, see one of the ball games and help promote more awareness about hearing loss and hearing technology. Until next week, or until next time, thank you for listening. Be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.